the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins, and for the newbies out there, this is the only podcast of its kind that will give you the real lowdown on all the major environmental stories, alongside some honest and qualified opinion. Many have tried, few have succeeded. Our man in the hot seat each week, of course, is Dale Vince. Dale is an entrepreneur and environmentalist. He built his success in the green energy sector and is the owner of Ecotricity. For the uninitiated, that's the world's first green energy company. He's also the owner of Forest Green Rovers. And of course, on each episode, we bring you those dominating issues on the biggest agenda on earth right now, the environment and climate change. Morning, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. And we're going to start with this. There's a rangtan in my bedroom and I don't know what to do. She plays with all my teddies and keeps borrowing my shoe. Oh, rangtan in my bedroom. I swear it on the stars. The future's not yet written. But I'll make sure it is ours. That's a Greenpeace campaign ad, of course. Um, And this comes under the banner of Greenpeace rocks and ecotricity involved. Yeah, great story, this one. I picked up on it about a week or so ago. Uh, Greenpeace dropped a couple of rocks, well, one rock actually in front of DEFRA headquarters in London uh, to make a point. But they dropped about 40 in the North Sea. Uh, to protect some uh, fishing grounds, some marine protection zone, actually, that uh, was being okay. trawled mercilessly. For me, it was just a brilliant piece of action. You know, it was it was way beyond protest. This is proper direct action. So these boulders are dropped in in the sea to put uh, trawlers off, basically. I love it. And so uh, yeah. we got in touch, and um, we're chucking a little bit of money, Greenpeace's way, to help them cover the costs of some of that. And uh, and I just think it's super. Come January, I think they're going to have another go. They're going to go back and do some more. And uh, I'm very yeah. much uh, keen to take part in that. It's, I was looking at a picture of the boulders. I mean, these aren't like, it's not a bag of pebbles, is it? I mean, <laughs> these are boulders. No, I imagine that's like one or two tons of rock there. And, Without doubt. Yeah. And, you know, I just love it because it's protecting fish and in a really simple, peaceful way. It just says to the yeah. trawlers, you, you pull your nets through here, boys, and, you know, you're going to lose them. It's interesting with campaigning, Dale, because, I mean, you know, you've been involved in, in this area for many years. I mean, do you think governments listen? I think they do to a degree. I think protesting uh, has a role. Uh, you know, XR getting people onto the streets, uh, that kind of stuff. You know, we talk about this in the book, you know, cue the book bugle maybe later. But, you know, I think it has a role in kind of raising awareness uh, to government of, of what people think. I don't think they necessarily always react to that. But that you know they are aware of it, and, and what I do like is actual direct action. So XR don't just protest; they disrupt. Mm. They bring life to a halt. You know, Sea Shepherd, a great example of a of a, a real direct action organisation yeah. that just get in the way of poachers and whalers. They don't just watch it and film it and complain. I mean, do you remember that as a when I was looking at that Greenpeace ad we just played there, the campaign ad? I was thinking back, and you'll have the same memories, I'm sure, as a kid. There was that whole 
era almost about of Greenpeace intercepting the whaling boats. Um, I mean, it's quite aside from the astonishing bravery and life-risking antics of some of these people, these incredibly powerful images, nothing violent, uh, nobody getting hurt. In fact, try to stop whales getting killed. Mm. I mean, incredible scene. Yeah. Direct action, peaceful action. Yeah, that's right. And I think something else Greenpeace is famous for is um, climbing, isn't it? You know, scaling oil rigs and just kind yeah. of camping out, uh, you know, strapped onto the leg of an oil rig or something for, for days on end. There was Brent Spar, I think, actually, in particular, I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody wanted to dump that in the North Sea. Maybe it was BP, I'm not really sure. Just kind of sink it because it was a cheaper way of uh, disposing it. And, uh, yeah, I think they camped out on it to try and prevent it. You've got to be an acrobat to work at Greenpeace. You could get a, if, it, if it all goes wrong in campaigning, just work for Cirque du Soleil afterwards, I'd imagine. <laughs> I mean, some, of the, some of the things these guys have done is extraordinary. Yeah, maybe, maybe the channel is the other way. Maybe when you retire from Cirque du Soleil, <laughs> you go to Greenpeace. That's true. Yeah, maybe that's the in, in the government try to get people to think outside their their, their work boxes <laughs> and, and move. Maybe that's what that campaign ad should have had. Not a ballet dancer, they a Greenpeace don't know it yet. Yeah, I love it. Indeed. Uh, let's move to this. A question from Ed. Dale, do you reckon electric vehicles will get cheaper soon? I really want one, but they are more expensive than their gas guzzling equivalents. I was checking out on this yesterday, oddly, Dale, and um, they are because one of the problems is no, there's yet to be a great secondhand market in, in electric vehicles. Yeah, but then I guess they haven't been around that long either in terms of the secondhand market and there aren't that many yeah. on the road and stuff like that. But Ed, I would say definitely they're getting cheaper. I don't know... Um, what soon really is in the um, the lifetime cost of ownership of an electric car will be lower than a, a, a petrol car in about a year, according to the industry. But that's if yeah. you're buying new. If you're buying secondhand, it's very different. The actual um, yeah. purchase cost new being lower than a, a gas guzzling car new. I think we're still probably two or three years away. I would guess, uh, but it's coming. You know, the progress yeah. is is clear to see. Prices coming down, ranges going up, and I think that it's quite likely that governments around the world will step in and apply taxes to internal combustion engine cars soon to make them more expensive, or to sure. make the pollution sure. more expensive. And you know, it's the right yeah. thing to do so that we get society pointed in the right direction. Uh, let's move on to another battle. Uh, this is a, a battle over an EU ban on the veggie burger labeling system um did you see this story I mean, yeah. the, the term veggie burger and veggie sausage could be banned under proposals being voted by the uh, the eu next week um yeah. also it would ban terms such as yogurt style and cheese like for plant-based alternative to dairy products yeah astonishing really uh, this is the uh, the meat industry trying to claim the words burger and sausage as their own and exclusively linked to meat and as you say, going even further than that and saying you can't have the word style, so it can't be, you know, Greek style, yogurt style, whatever it is, uh, which I think is just crazy. And um, it is um, being voted on in the EU, and and I certainly hope they don't pass it. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Boris Johnson's story 20 years ago about the EU making a rule on uh, the bentness of bananas, which he made up, of course. It wasn't true, but this looks like a modern day version of that that is true. Um, yeah, you know it has to fail. I surely hope it has to fail, and if not, Who at least gives a toss? I, I, I reckon even if you spoke to Bob the butcher, um, he wouldn't care about the word sausage or burger being used elsewhere. No, I say it has to fail, and even if it doesn't, we've got the consolation prize that we're leaving the EU anyway, so it won't apply to us. But um, you know these guys can't own these terms. I mean, their argument is that people are confused. Consumers are confused by something that says vegetarian burger. They think, oh, it's a burger. It must be meat. You know, missing out the first word of that sentence and 
you know, this is just nonsense when, in fact, the, the opposite is true. It's about clear labeling. It's about saying this is a burger not made with animals. It's very clear. Yeah, they indeed. even want to ban the term meatless. That, that's just a statement of fact, isn't it? I mean, how, how do you you wonder which person or which whether it's an MEP or probably goes to some more bureaucratic tier, I would imagine. But whoever, whoever decides on it would, with a straight face would say, yes, you can't say meatless. I mean, that's just... It's a farming lobby thing. It's you insanity. Know. The farming yeah. industry is is big and powerful, has a lot of money, a lot of friends, and uh, you know that's what's driving this. But I surely hope they fail. It's also a sign of just how worried the meat and dairy industry is. The rise of plant-based food is yeah. has got them pooing their pants, basically. Okay, let's move on to this. And this comes on the back. There's a couple of questions here, actually, Dale. Uh, James on Twitter says, Dale, how on earth can you support this awful Premier League action plan? Um, Of course, he's referring to this kind of super league uh, that was talked about last week. You and I discussed it on the radio, of course. Mm. Um, Just put some meat on the bones of this, if you don't mind. You sort of meatless on this on the bones <laughs> on the boneless so meatless on yes. the boneless here yeah. um well it was project big picture and it was leaked to the sunday papers last week and basically the uh, the chair of the efl had been talking to i think it was liverpool and man united and they came up with a plan to reform football to change the finances of football from the premier league down through the pyramid and there was a lot to like about the plan in terms of financing uh, there was a lot of focus on away fan support, better financial controls, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but there was a bit that uh, the most controversial bit was the concentration of voting rights into the hands of the big six Premier League clubs. And, and that's what everybody kicked back against. So I would say uh, I was very uh, clear about what I said. I thought it was a great plan in many respects, but I could see the downside of the voting issue. And I hope the Premier League could get their heads around that simple majority voting ought to solve uh, the problem for everybody. So uh, it's not as simple as to say I supported it. Uh, that's exactly what I said about it. Uh, and on a related point, uh, Fran on Twitter says, do you reckon Premier League teams will ever follow the Forest Green Rovers example? I, I, I imagine she's probably talking about your ethos and, and, and the like in many areas. Yeah, I mean, definitely so. Um, yeah, we're, we're in conversation with a few right now uh, about some of the stuff we're doing. We're going to do an environment audit for one. Uh, I won't say who it is just now, but maybe it'd be something that goes public later but also um, we've seen Premier League teams follow us in terms of our strip not just our our eco stuff so Man United launched a uh, second strip a couple of weeks ago which is very much like our zebra strip the black and white yes even described in the same terms with its dazzle pattern and that kind of stuff and then saw Liverpool playing in something that was so similar to our third strip I thought they'd actually been to our shop and bought it the, uh, the, the Blue Sea Shepherd uh, strip. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're taking some style cues from us as well as eco tips, I would say. They clearly are. They clearly are. Um, let's move to this story. Uh, interesting. Fear-mongering is understandably in fashion this year with prophets of doom having no shortage of material to draw upon. But amidst the endless bleak uh, portents of our collective future, birds falling out the sky in the US, hundreds of whales washing up on Australia's shores, etc., this is there is at least one silver lining. The urgency of tackling climate change finally seems to be sinking in. Is it though, Dale? Is it sinking in? I think that it is. Um, there was one little phrase in there that really stood out for me. It was the prophets of doom, uh, because that is what the uh, car industry, the oil and gas industry, the fracking industry, that's what they're making at the moment. Prophets of doom. 
uh, you know, their prophets leading to our doom. So I quite like that. We just had the crazy thought this morning to send chapter 13 of my book, Manifesto, which sets out the plan of how we solve all these problems, to send it to Bernard Looney, the new chair or chief exec, I think he is, of BP. He set out a zero carbon plan uh, last summer, summer just gone committed them to a 40% cut in oil and gas production in the next 10 years. And it just suddenly occurred to me, you know what, so send, send that to that guy and say, see what you think, you know? Yeah. But they're exactly um, the kind of people that we need to change their business, the business model from currently making profits from the doom uh, into, yeah. uh, you know, the, the green stuff, the green industrial revolution. When they pick that up and run with it, we'll make real progress. Indeed. Here's a question from Tim, uh, who emailed zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. He says, how does Ecotricity's green energy differ to cheaper tariffs I'm seeing online? I'm not being difficult. I'm genuinely trying to get my head around the differences. Yeah, and, and it is a kind of complex uh, area. And there's been a bit of uh, discussion in the industry and with the regulator recently about greenwashing and mis-selling and that kind of stuff. We produced a little paper on it. It's on our website. Uh, we set out kind of basically three degrees of green. And the, the basic most simple step that a lot of these cheaper tariffs are taking is just to buy something called a RIGO, which is like a birth certificate for green energy. And you can buy uh, enough to cover one household consumption for about, I don't know, two or three quid a year or something like that. So it's a very cheap route. But often what they're doing is buying electricity from a fossil fuel power station and attaching a green birth certificate to it and claiming greenness. Right. So, you know, that's that's pretty much greenwashing. The second stage of greenness is to have the Regos, but to buy some of your power from actual green projects as well. And the third stage of greenness, and the only truly green outcome as far as we're concerned, is to use the money from your customers' energy bills to build new sources of green energy, which is what we do. So uh, yeah. we set out that kind of merit order of greenness for people. And, and most companies, well, all companies in the market are doing one uh, or two of those. And I think we're the only company doing all three of those. So we buy Regos, we buy Power Direct, and we build our own. Is that a point, do you think, that consumers... Because it's quite hard for a consumer, I suppose, to kind of get all that detail. Because you look at a, an energy bill and you almost need a PhD in something to read yeah. one. Um, even remember a couple of years ago, they went, let's make these more simple. I'm sure yours are really simple. But, you know, I still look at mine. I've got no idea what a gigawatt is or a, no. anything else for that matter. And I don't think anybody else does, though. To be no, I still struggle with that. I have to check myself every time I say megawatt hour and do a mental calculation to make sure I've got the right unit. Our industry is hideously complex and uh, and absolutely greenwashing is a problem because it's, uh, it's made much more complex and just buying these cheap certificates and attaching it to dirty power well I mean, that should be uh, that should be illegal uh, yeah. and i hope off jim clamps down on that but you know no average person is going to spot that um, but you know if it's a super green tariff then that's probably your big warning sign that's how it's being done and let's move to this people always tell us that young people are going to save the world but there is simply not enough time to wait. The fallout from climate change. All of this with the global warming. It's a hoax. It is the most pressing issue of our time. You have to go to school. When it came to the climate crisis, we were just like everyone else. We weren't doing enough. Uh, Greta Thunberg. Uh, and there is a new film, uh, of course. Uh, I am Greta, Dale. What are you making of this? I I've never known one individual command so much uh, extraordinary and unfathomable hatred from people who neither know her or anything about her. 
<laughs> Except maybe Donald Trump. Funny time. Apart, yeah, <laughs> in, indeed. Well, there is a sort of curious synergy that her and Trump could sit in a room and actually at least riff that one away about <laughs> the, the, the horrors of social media when it comes to being in the public eye. Yeah, and, and obviously they sit on opposite sides of the, uh, the, the debate as well, not just on climate, but I would say politically probably as well. And, you know, maybe it's just a sign of our times that, you know, the poisonous nature of, of social media um, you know what Greta has done has been really, really amazing. Really uh, cut through and, and and galvanized a lot of opinion and and action. And uh, you know, arguably Trump has done the same, but from a different wing of life. Yeah, uh, I don't want to compare the two. I mean, there's no real comparison other than that. Um, but what do you what do you make of a film being made in this respect? Uh, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, there's a story there to tell. There's a book as well, actually. Um, I forget the title of it, but I saw it in a bookshop the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a story there to tell. I think it's important. You know, Greta has this uh, condition, and uh, I think that's caused a lot of the attention and a lot of the uh, the hatred of her, uh, which I think is uh, you know is unjustified. Uh, but it causes, uh, I think, to to bring that great focus to the environment that she has. And uh, I read an article last week in the Guardian in which she said that she said it takes people like us to talk honestly about these issues uh, and and uh, you know to bring that kind of attention to them. I think she's absolutely right. It does. And it's interesting that, I mean, if you look across time, anyone who campaigned um, on whatever issue it happened to be, whether it's human issues, suffragettes, and um, it, animal welfare, uh, any totemic figure um, is always kind of cast out as some kind of weirdo by the mainstream <laughs> yeah. because it, it sort of suits people who don't understand and that's, I guess, the human reaction, isn't it, to not understanding something? You don't understand it, you don't get it. It annoys you, and therefore, you know, you attack it. Yeah, it, that that is true. And and I've been uh, on that side of life all my life. You know, the weirdo, the outcast, the the dogged individual. And I actually have the same condition as Greta. I've not spoken about it before, um, but I think it's why I've, I feel uh, you know, this great affinity for what she's doing. And uh, and you know, what she said last week you know, is perfectly right. It's that kind of um, very clear way that we see the world, very simple terms and, and, and great honesty. And, and then the focus as well that comes with that. When something matters, the ability to focus on that uh, to the exclusion of everything else, uh, you know, that's, that's what's driven my life. Is that why the thought police are just arriving to come and take you away? <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, this is Stroud. It sounds like New York, doesn't it? Sorry, Dale Vince has gone too far here. He's now fully aligned himself with Greta. That's enough. Send the boys in. That's it, Dale, for this episode. Brilliant. That went quick, didn't it? Um, but we will be back, of course, in another week. Speak to you then, Dale. Yeah, that was great fun. Thanks, Ian. Nice one. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider to this podcast so that you get each new episode automatically. Do make sure you leave a review there as well. And if you want to get in touch, you can email your comments and questions to zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. Really important bit. Do make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. And we'll see you in a week. Zero Carbon East Off.